0: A reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her guilt has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one calling out, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the uneven ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. A voice says, call out. Then he answers, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, the people are indeed grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Go up on a high mountain, Zion, messenger of good news. Raise your voice forcefully, Jerusalem, messenger of good news. Raise it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his compensation is with him and his reward before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in the fold of his robe he will gently lead the nursing ewes a reading from 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 8 through 15 but do not let this one fact escape from your notice beloved that with the lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And the earth and its works will be discovered. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the, the, coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat? But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found spotless and blameless by him at peace and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. Mark chapter one, verse one through eight. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, just as it is written in in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I am sending my messenger before you who will prepare your way the voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea was going out to him, and all the people of Jerusalem, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and his diet was locusts and wild honey. And he was preaching, saying, After me one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to bend down and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord
1: well let's pray father we glorify you here we're here to hear your word to hear you speak to sit at your feet to marvel at you to have a a better understanding of your heart to be filled with your holy spirit and to all that culminate in in praise and worship to you and we do this and ask this through your son jesus christ amen uh so i believe in god's sovereignty As I was, uh, spent about an hour, an hour and a half preparing last night, and then I was talking with Sam and Kyle, and was talking about the scripture readings for today, and they were like, those aren't the scripture readings, and I was like, okay, yeah, right. Uh, Then I double-checked it, and I had prepared for the wrong thing. But that was last night. So, uh, we are on year B in the Advent readings, second week of Advent, not year C, if you don't pay attention to details, it'll get you. Uh, so anyways, we're going to be looking at Isaiah, Second Peter, and Mark. Um, I'm skipping the psalm passage for this week, and I'll probably do that all throughout the... Uh, if you notice, if you look at the, uh, the lexicon on Vanderbilt.edu on the... Uh, I thought I had it on here. Maybe not. Um, if you follow the readings, there's in non... Um, general time in like advent and christmas time there's not two sets of readings uh there's just your first reading and your second reading so there you go um, so let's look at isaiah we're mostly going to use isaiah to look at the other two passages uh, because they overlap so well and directly quote from each other So here we have, just to give you a little bit of context, Isaiah didn't preach in the Babylonian captivity, he preached about the Babylonian captivity. Um, So like we've been doing in our ordinary time, uh, is kind of looking at context and where the author was and how the initial readers would have understood it. Now, it's actually kind of funny to me because if you look at the last chapter of, um, the last chapter, chapter 39, and then the last two verses there, it just says that, Isaiah's prophesying that your sons are going to be eunuchs in the Babylonian kingdom, meaning that they're going to be slaves and um, there's going to be a captivity coming, obviously. And Hezekiah just says, uh, uh, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. That's a good thing. <laughs> and then it goes on to this famous passage. And so um, as we look today, and then this is another one of those uh, passages that we read a lot in Advent and uh, in the coming of our Lord. Um, something that we looked at in in our uh, ordinary time is there's always a double meaning. There's always at least two meanings <laughs> behind every passage. There's the initial fulfillment, right? And then there's the what the Westminster Confession would call the general equ- equity, is essentially saying how do we utilize this today? like if we're just using this part of an evangelical church uh to say yeah there's a prophecy of the coming Christ and Jesus came and okay good we don't have to read that anymore but um because that prophecy has been fulfilled and now we're looking for new prophecies on what's and we become these prophecy watchers but uh instead of thinking on that way which scripture doesn't tell us to interpret it that way is seeing how it was the initial fulfillment, and instead of looking on, um, you know, like what are the physical signs going to be, how are we going to lift our eyes and our vision of God, the gospel, uh, our calling and election, or, or whatever the verse is calling us to. And so one of the things I love about this chapter is just getting to know the Father's heart deeper. And one comfort isn't enough. <laughs> comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. He's always a God of comfort who's continually coming to his people. And so when you think about the people who saw John the Baptist and how John the Baptist witnessed to the Christ, like when we talked, about I don't know, I don't know what the heck we're talking about in ordinary time, I'd have to look it up. But remember when we talked about and Daniel, there was 490-year period where they knew that Christ was coming. And so uh, one of the things I love to just like use my holy imagination and think about is how deep the scriptures went with the people in the first century and um, how Christ came and what it would have been like. I like to kind of just fantasize about it sometimes of like... Uh, you know, like you read the scriptures, I'm just going to give an example and jump forward. Um, I think it's after verse six. Yeah. Uh, where are you? I'll have to look at my notes. Um, where it says about the glory of the Lord coming, the glory of the Lord will be. I've I've got so many notes in my Bible, it's hard to actually read the Bible. <laughs> so I might have to look at this. Um Uh, well, wherever it says that the glory of the Lord may be uh, revealed. If anyone finds it, just shout it out. Oh, like verse 10. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. This is in the NASB, right? So, it's sometimes I think, I don't want to put God on the spot here, but sometimes I I kind of sympathize with Israel of why they thought there was going to be this geopolitical Messiah coming. Because he's coming with this ruling arm. He's coming in might. He's coming in power. And when we're not to Epiphany yet, which is two parts in the calendar down. After Christmas tide, then there's Epiphany. And, um, but how John the Baptist testifies and points to the Christ It was so not what he was expecting that later he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one or is there still one to come? Because he was born in a manger. He came in meekness. He came in humility. He didn't come in uh, great clouds and majesty and coming down from heaven and stopping his enemies the way we would like or presumed. And so anyways kind of jumping ahead but um when he's saying comfort cover my people says lord says your god speak tenderly to jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned uh i didn't take that good of notes for myself was it the if you look under the nasby uh It says that her guilt has been removed. And if you actually read the the note, it actually talks about that. It could be a more literal translation. It could be that her iniquity has been paid for, right? So this is how the Lord is coming. And so when we talk about, an advent, the coming of the Lord, and I think sometimes we get, I don't know, a little gun-ho or something when we think about how meek and mild the Lord came, in, at least to his people, in the first advent and the birth of Christ, and then we uh, translate that, or we also talk about Christ's second coming, we start like, oh, he's coming with judgment and fire, and he surely is. He's coming to judge the world. He is coming again, and he will judge and deal with all iniquity. But even in his second coming, he's coming to his people in comfort. That their sins have already at this now we're in past tense that their are their sins and iniquity are already atoned for and he's coming when he comes again to get his people to speak tenderly and softly and he's he will judge the world just like he came ruling with an iron fist so to speak uh, with an iron scepter as he does uh, against the false false shepherds of Israel and uh, against the wicked. But I think sometimes we just get that disassociation of his first coming was this very meek and quiet thing. And his second coming is just the exact opposite. But I don't think that's the case. So, um, so you know, Isaiah is prophesying and, call, and calling uh, to God's people comfort tenderly. And if you skip down to the end of Isaiah, or Isaiah passage, about how he's coming like a shepherd. He's coming to tend his flock. He's going to gather up the meek. He's going to uh, tend to the ewes, to the baby lambs, to those who are, who are weaker. And, um, you know, I just love the imagery here of all of the... I was just doing this as Teresa was reading. If you just picture when it's talking about uh, Makes straight in the desert the highway for the Lord. So a straight path. Just imagine if you're looking at almost any landscape that there's high spots and low spots. You can go up on Burkhart and it goes lower, and you look downtown and it, that part seems higher. And you know, even our pretty flat uh, Dayton landscape is that. Just imagine that what the Lord's doing is is preparing paths and and roads and streets. And he's, right, like if you had to travel up a mountain and then down a valley and up, it's very hard, right? You're talking about traveling, about roads. This is uh, commerce. This is travel. This is how we get along and how we go from one place to another, right? And I think we often get into this mindset of that the road to the Lord is, is we have to travel up this mountain and down this valley and up and down and we got to go over this bumpy road and do all these things but what the lord's actually preparing are straight roads he's um leveling everything out and so don't get too many armenian ideas mixed in with this but uh, (laughs) uh he's making the road easy right or simple he's making it simple now easy might be a different term or it might be a different idea. But um when he's talking about like, you know, he's he's pardoning sins, he's making the way to the Lord like this easy, this he's taking everything that would cause you to stumble downwards or you know, tarry, and he's just raising that up, and it's just flat and it's plain and you can and you can see the path. And you know, at this point as Isaiah's is preaching, um, this is in the time of Hezekiah, so the Babylonian captivity hasn't happened yet, and not much happens. Uh, Well, almost nothing happens. I shouldn't say almost nothing. There's not a lot in between the captivity. Scriptural rise, obviously, there's a lot of history, and then the dispersion, and almost 500 years later. But you start to see this of how sin was portrayed and atoned and from the moving tabernacle of Moses and how the glory of the Lord fell on the tabernacle. And then you see this like wave of like, just like idolatry and sin and things getting worse and worse and worse. And you are you keep waiting for this Messiah. You keep waiting for this person to deliver Israel from their setting sins of idolatry and and different things. And you get to the temple, and it's a more glorious temple than the tabernacle. Um and and the Lord, you know, fills the temple, but then it's even quicker kind of going down this downward spiral of degeneration, and it's not very long after that there's kings offering their own children on to sacrifice on mountains to other gods and and you start to see like i uh i prepared for the wrong i can't wait for advent next year i can't wait for week two (laughs) of advent next next year when we talk about uh zechariah's uh prophecy over john the baptist about you know releasing israel from all their fears and captivities and then we can sing "O come O come emmanuel and we can all cry (laughs) and because it's just a glorious song I love Advent songs. We should sing Advent songs all year. and But there's this, you see this, like, that Israel, like, there's, there's this long, expectant waiting of, like, and I think even most of Israel had some ideas, like, we've been in, like, this, not just we've been in bondage to the Romans and we've been in bondage to these people, but that we've been in bondage to, like, this idolatry and our, we can't, like, nobody we have elected or has come into power or that has ruled us has done a fair job, (laughs) to say the least. And they've only led the people, uh, instead of towards like an upward trajectory of, of glory and obedience to the Lord, it's always just a downward trajectory towards more idolatry and sin. And so when we're saying that like that your warfare is ended, they're not like, Hezekiah, so there's a split kingdom. Um but that, that warfare, like the the war on um, is like over. Like he's victorious. Um I read through I've started to read through Rick Joyner. Is it Rick? Rick Joyner's Overcoming Witchcraft. I read a little bit of it once and what I, one thing I just really love about that book is that he puts not a whole lot of um fancy words on anything, and he just keeps saying that the most baby Christian has more power in him to overcome evil than all of Satan's army combined. And I was like, that just, he keeps saying, I'm like, man, like, I got, I'm going to have to think about that for a while because uh, we have access to that. Like, the Lord has said, like, the war is over. Like, when he comes, It's done. There's no more striving, sure. Read a little bit of Arminianism and you still have to strive and take hold of God's grace and defeat sin. But he's already defeated everything. There's no worrying. There's no more fear. It's only comfort, comfort, comfort. And that's what the Father is speaking. I love it. And so uh mixing in a little bit of um Mark one eighteen and one, I'm sorry, one through eight and, and second Peter is um Uh, is that, you know, all the Gospels point to John the Baptist as the forerunner. They, they all point to the one crying in the wilderness. We look at verse 6. I like what he says. Uh, A voice says, cry. And what's the, what's the proper response? And I said, what should I cry? What's the, what's the message? All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And let's just keep going to verse nine. Uh, Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, but say to the cities, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold your God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold his reward is with him and his re- recompense before him. He will tend his flocks like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who uh, gently lead those that are with young. And so, um, all the gospels point to to John the Baptist being this this herald of proclaiming the Christ. They all point that out because of this passage, um, because he's the one uh, crying out in the in the desert and. And everything. And um, if anyone else has any more information on this, uh, you know, Mark talks about John wearing camel's skin and and a leather belt. And the best I can come up with, I always thought that was just a nice fashion statement. But that's the only thing that's attested to that. Um, uh, Elijah that he wore was uh, just a, a garment made of hair and and prophets took on the, on these lives of penitence of making it harder on themselves that's not very comfortable clothing uh it's also not very comfortable to uh to proclaim god's word in a wilderness and so um you know one of the reasons uh i always this is this is just an interesting thought and, and meditation for me is that in no way at all does God need John the Baptist or a forerunner to go before him and proclaim the way. The Lord could verily come and do how he pleases, when he pleases, to who he pleases, whenever he pleases, uh, all the time. And But his desire, one of the things that we see in these passages in Isaiah is, you know, the voice is, is crying out to um, to Isaiah to proclaim a message that when the glory of the Lord is revealed, it's, it's us proclaiming the Lord, but we get to be partakers of that grace, of that proclamation of, of we get to, pe- like, just think about, like, a king coming into a city, like, how great would that be to just be the guy that blows the horn? Like, like you know how they do in the cartoons and stuff. Uh, or the, the cheesy movies of like just blowing that like hey I got to partake in, in the celebration, and so, um, from verse six onward, it's like what's that message? What do you proclaim? What's the what's the sermon? It's that uh, you know that the Lord is coming to comfort His people, but these things that are in the earth, the the grass, that's you know allegorically people and the and the flowers that are the handiwork of the people, all of that, the best that we could do, even ourselves, just the spirit of the Lord, if he just blows on it, it withers. It's done for. It's not, um, the Lord doesn't have to come with a mighty hand to uh, tear down man's works or anything. We're feeble creatures, right? That it's, uh you know um so but it's our privilege like you know and that's what, what John the Baptist essentially he didn't come proclaiming that you're gonna die someday and and get prepared and get right with the Lord. But uh he's proclaiming, you know, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That that repentance, that that get ready, the Lord is coming, the time is near, you know, uh is is what he's saying you know bear fruit in keeping with repentance so we get that privilege uh every year i love the the church calendar so much because i uh i don't know what we're going to do as a church with covid uh as church globally um but one of the things i love about advent is you know christians throughout the ages have made you know uh songs and things to celebrate the season, to celebrate the coming of Christ, and it's, it's consumed the entire world by now, almost the entire world, at least the majority, I'll just say two-thirds, I can't really quantify that, of this Christmas, of even just by art and these songs of, you know, I often reference Handel's Messiah, is because pagans love it. <laughs> pagans stand up, during the Hallelujah Chorus, and honor that Christ is coming. <laughs> uh, how great is that? And so, you know, the Lord's influence in the proclamation goes out. We get to uh, become privileged partakers in that proclamation. And I think, what better time than Advent? I would say none. Uh, is that we get to sing songs. And I say I don't know what we're going to do because... Uh, the Dayton Philharmonic isn't going to do uh, Handel's Messiah this year because of COVID and so maybe we'll do our own three-hour concert or something uh, next week or whatever but but look at the parallel look at the same thing how um, in second Peter how he adopted the same gospel message So 2 Peter 3, I think 8 through 15. Uh, We'll actually start. Well, actually, we'll just start at verse 9. Uh, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Repentance. Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So uh, one thing that I don't know, I guess I urge is, uh, that sounds pretty intense, <laughs> that heaven's going to be on fire, all the earth will dissolve surely it will, Um, is like there is a coming of the day of the Lord, the day of God that he he equates here in verse 12, is that yeah, surely there is a second coming of Christ and we are hastening that day. We can hasten that day uh, to a certain degree. Surely we don't know the day or the hour, but the only way we can hasten that day is by proclaiming the gospel Expanding the kingdom and filling the earth with his glory, and working that out in every facet of life that you could ever imagine and think of. And so, um, he says, What sort, in verse 11, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? And um, what was it in Isaiah? Uh, There was something about fear. I can't remember. I'm still thinking of of luke one of Advent, advent season c but one of the things that that should cause you to think you know as you read these passages is is the hope of christ's second coming of that he is not just renewing the earth as we talk a lot about what we need to do in in these days and these times and that is something we ought to think about but um but that the Lord is coming again, and all of our works, all of our humanly bodies, are going to be burned up, we're goners, uh, and everything that we did for Christ's kingdom will last. All it takes is, in Isaiah 4:40, is a breath from the Lord, just His very breath, just just that much where there's all of the glories of man that could be lumped on the earth. But whatever is for his kingdom will stand, will last, will stand the test of time, will continue, will reproduce and grow and fill the earth. And so what sort of people ought we to be is is waiting and hastening the coming of the Lord is is pursuing holiness, pursuing godliness. Growing in the Lord, that should be consuming our entire lives. And as we look at the season of Advent, and it's uh, a time of of celebration and a time of the coming King, but like just about every time in the church calendar, it's a time of of repentance, of drawing closer to the Lord, a time of of growing, of maturation, uh, because all those things are to recall us uh, to the Lord. So, um, you know, when he's saying, don't get too off track when he's saying a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells, is if you just lump together, and I always waver on, was that Revelation 22, or was it 21, it's 22, um, no it's 21, uh, when it talks about the new heaven and the new earth, I think it could be interpreted, and I haven't had a definitive. Um, lean either way of maybe that the new heaven and the new earth is here now in the church in Christ's kingdom, and maybe it's in the future when Christ returns. I think both are good. Uh, <laughs> I think it could, uh, it could be interpreted, um, I see why people interpret it both ways. But when he's talking about that the, the heavenly bodies are going to be melting away as they burn. But we're waiting for this new heavens and this new earth. Uh, Peter's writing in between uh, these these this weird time in between covenants uh, where the temple hasn't been burned up yet, hasn't been destroyed. And so just take that into consideration of we're not, if you play it out as way in the distant future after Christ returns and it's just in heaven when we die... Um, then is that the only place righteousness dwells? Probably not. Uh, Wherever Christ is, wherever he is ruling, righteousness dwells. So it's not just that we seek this waiting and this longing for this new heavens and this new earth. We're on this mission and we're called to be partakers of God, to proclaim the gospel, to live lives of godliness, of holiness, of dedication to the Lord, to become a place to be worked by God, to be a place where righteousness dwells, where the king is on his throne, where his law is obeyed, where his law is observed and, and upheld and uplifted and, and talked about, and where people in the city gates are continually doing kingdom activities amongst each other and going in and out of the city to take new land, to, to expand the king's uh, throne and, and, and such. And so that's what I think uh, we're called to in this season of Advent is not just this, this party-like atmosphere that I love of the coming king, but we're heralds of good news. We have the same mission, essentially same proclamation mission that John the Baptist had of proclaiming the king. He's here. He rules. It's time for repentance. The Lord is coming to his people. He sits on his throne. He rules in righteousness. And so we get the honor of partaking in that. And would that we, in the season of Advent, um, do that even more diligently as, as I believe that the world is watching Christians and the church in this time of how would we react? How would we uh, live our lives uh, who's all these things, man, I really wish we talked about Luke about taking fear captive and stuff <laughs> I sat in my room singing christmas songs and and crying and <laughs> thinking about it and but uh you know just in in a pragmatic way of how we operate in in our city in in our lives in our workspaces and whether we 're going to be uh controlled by fear or whether we're going to be controlled by fear of the Lord and who is going to be our master. And Advent reminds us of of who our true master is, who we love to serve openly and, and willingly. And so uh, with that, let's pray and and worship the Lord. Uh, Father, we pray that you would uh, come again like you have in, in all of our lives and as, as you proclaimed uh, about the, the gospel starting in Matthew, that you would come to your people and, and baptize them, fill them, renew them with the Holy Spirit, that you would dwell here, you'd be pleased to dwell, that you would get the praise and the glory that is due and, and due to your name, that you would turn us in this season to proclaim your kingship, your lordship, and your dominion over all the earth, through your Son, Jesus Christ, amen.